Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. You're listening to Vox Poetica's 15 Minutes of Poetry, and I'm Anne-Marie Lockhart, here with my guest, Ellen Klein-McLeod, whose book, Garden, has just been released from Unbound Content. Ellen, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for inviting me. I'm glad to do it. We have a lot to talk about regarding this book, and I'm very excited to have it released uh, at this time of year. You know, it's not very garden-esque outside, but um, that kind of is why it's so much more uh, important to have something lush in front of you. Would you read to us the first selection from your book that we talked about? Um, Yes. This poem is titled, The Rain. Where is the green growing place? in which dreams plant abundant offerings, food, desire. Tomatoes, ripe red or possibly pomegranates, fat with scarlet seeds that tempt Persephone, tied to the underworld with a mate to whom much has been promised, within whose ebony root cellar sprawl permanently entangled shoots in shared soil after pollination, Rise sprigs of new life. Figs feel more compelling than apples. Figs should have been the forbidden fruit, trickling from woman's hunger, dropping seeds into grass amid flowers. Tulips budding, hot fuchsia array guarding, purple-white turnips forming, unseen, beside squash and eggplant and beans. Sensible vegetables of lesser temptation, but also in need of water. As for the rain, no one knows if it will come or not. Now, this book, this poem falls in the book in the middle. It's um, it's in a section called Excommunication, and it's um, I, I, it's one of my favorites. Um, where did it fall for you in terms of the writing process? Was it kind of as it flowed, or you know, how did how did that poem end up maybe in the book? I guess is my question. Um, it was probably, I would say, in the middle point of the book, because as a piece, it arrived after I realized I was making a collection. If that makes any mm-hmm. sense, a lot of the earlier poems that I was writing. Um, came out of a class that I took here. Um, we have the great gift of a writing and creativity coach, Cassie Primo Steele, here in Columbia. And sh- she offered a course about three years ago. And it was called Birthing the Mother Writer. And in that course, we studied mother poets and essayists. And then we wrote things that sort of reflected our own feelings about motherhood. And as I began to write some of those individual pieces, one of the specs that kept showing up in my own identity as a mother was this identification with Eve and the mm-hmm. stories of Eve as the first mother. And as I wrote them, I started thinking more about my own life as a garden. And then the garden and the ancient garden concept sort of came more into my poetry. So the rain probably came in the middle of the process of writing the whole book. Which was the first poem that you realized this is going to be a book? Let's see. The first 
poem and I realized it would be a book? That is a great question because it was almost, I'd probably written half of them, I think, when I realized it was going to be a book. <laughs> so that sounds kind of funny to say because initially I was very, I guess microcosmic might be the word, in terms of the writing. I was in this really unique place myself of really looking at my own experience as a mother and turning that into an experience as a writer. So maybe about the time I wrote the poem, Watch Her Be Born, um, which is actually kind of about what we're talking about. It's that first place when I realized I was writing something that I, that I wanted to share, that I wanted other people to, to experience. Mm-hmm. And that is, a, that is a, I think, a, a pivotal poem in the book. Um, and one of the things that struck me about the collection, as much as it is, it's about you know um, women's experience as a, as a collective, as told by the individual. But the theme of motherhood that runs so uh, strongly through it, it's it, there's a difference between writing about your children and writing about motherhood. You know, and it's a it's an important distinction, and it is one that you capture very well. You're not writing about um, a mother's view of her children. You're writing about the process of motherhood, which is a very different and evolutionary thing. And um, I think it's important as an artist to distinguish between some of the, the, the language that we collectively use in general talk. It takes on different meaning as an artist. Um, when, you, when you did realize it was a book, how much of the scope did you have um, together already? How much was it already set as the idea kind of gelled? I would say the first four sections, creation, excommunion, birth, and woman, were in place. And the Mm -hmm. final piece for me was that last section, the section called truth. Mm -hmm. And that section is is made up of the most recent poems, with with the exception of the poem called The Wall. That was actually an earlier poem that I that I tweaked at the end because I realized that poem initially was just about about being trapped. Mm-hmm. But what I really found that poem as it evolved, it was about how we don't have to keep ourselves trapped, that we actually mm-hmm. start out knowing freedom and that we have to figure out how to how to let ourselves have it again. Um I'd like you to read another poem from the book, if you will, this okay. particular poem. Um, well, how about if I do watch her be born, the one I mentioned uh, just a Excellent. second ago. Okay? Yep. Watch her be born. She may be headed for a sea. Prep the mother. Monitor the baby. Faces gaze upon paper white patient perched on a tabletop trapeze. When spotlight shines and music blares, everyone will see inside and know. Words rave in her body. Mercury made. Thoughts gauge toxic tolerance levels, letting inner expression drip potential poison slowly into veins. A mother body can handle much and survive. Words fly over eyes. Blood smears paper, making a spectacle. Shimmering swing without a safety net. 
swift syllabic silhouettes. No figure can cry, blood, they'll say. A screaming, sticky-faced child waves circus streamers beyond tent top, death-defying feet dangling from a strong white cord, scrambling to lift sequined lines out of the womb, hovering above the earth, recording what goes on there. Watch her be born. It's such a powerful metaphor as well as um, very grounded experience, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was funny to me to think, you know, there was this place in time that was very concrete for me where my birthing experience of birthing children and my birthing experience of birthing myself as a poet, Mm -hmm. birthing Mm -hmm. my art as poetry, and the whole idea that it was kind of like a circus. (laughs) And it all just kind of came together, you know, in this place that made this poem, that all those things were together in, in me. And... And, and coming out. We have talked about the process of bringing this book to market as a birthing, and you refer to it that way even in your dedication at the beginning of the book. Um, and it is. That's what it is. I think that's what it always is. I feel that way about every poem I write. And then my when I have it published, it's sent out into the world, into its own life, <laughs> and it will be what it will be. Um, and it's almost as hard, in some ways it's as hard to do that with your art as it is to do that with your children. You know, I find some of the same feelings surround that experience. Um, and I, I wonder how, if, if men relate to this work in the same way or if this is a uniquely female perspective. I'd like men to answer that. If any men listen to this and have an opinion on it, let me know what you think about that. Um, I know, Ellen, touch on that. One thing I've thought about with men, this is a female-voiced book, but I hope that no yeah. man would ever be intimidated by reading it because I think there's great joy in hearing a female voice for a man too. So I agree. I would love to hear any comments that that the men, you know, in in our listeners would have. Well, and I think, you know, also, you know, there are things in the book that um, a man might feel kind of like he's eavesdropping, you know, which is always fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And there are places where you're talking about a male-female relationship, and um, you know it's it is not, there is there is certainly a lot for a man to glean <laughs> from the book itself. And it, I agree with you; it should not be intimidating in any way. It is not, you know, it's not uh, '70s women's consciousness raising with with you know hand mirrors. It's not that. It's not that. Yeah, <laughs> you'll like it. You'll like it. You shouldn't be scared. There's nothing scary. <laughs> right. It's not. Um, it's just. It's. It's a it's a female voice, but it's for everyone. Yes, yeah. and 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 it is it gives and it gives life to what we just said, which is this experience of birth, whether it be um, human, visceral, physical, or artistic. You know, it is something whether whether men call it that or not. Men who write, men who are artists, experience this every day. Men who work in any capacity, you're giving birth to something in the world. We, we're all doing it all the time. Um, we just think of it a little different, maybe. Right. Uh, when did you know yourself to be a writer? You know that I have actually, I think, written on and off throughout m- most of my life. Like the first time I remember really writing things that mattered to me were probably, you know, like in middle school when I wrote 
in a journal and, and kept notes about things I was reading and thoughts I was having. Um, but in terms of perceiving myself as writing something that was not just for me, but for other people, I would say it was probably about three years ago when I took this first class. I just felt so called to it. And some of that really does relate to the fact that it coincided with my my third child, my youngest child, starting preschool. And so I had some time to look at myself and say, okay, you know, now I've I've created these these three people and they're basically kind of out there doing some of their own thing. What will I do next? No, I will always be the mother, but what will I be in addition to that now? And mm-hmm. and writer came to me kind of naturally in that I love words. I've always loved words. I always have plenty to say, as I'm sure most people will attest if they've been in conversation <laughs> with me. <laughs> so um, being able to take those things, and I've taken, you know, over the years, I say between each kid, I kind of took a dabble in writing. I took an online short story course, you know. I took a newspaper writing course at a technical college here. You know, I've done some different things, but, but life very often would would flow in such a way that I never dove into it fully before. I would kind of right. dabble and then go on and dabble and go on. Um you know, somewhere in there I turned 40, and that changed things for me, I think, too. I think in terms of my own voice, I started mm-hmm. wanting to to have it be a real thing for me, too, as my kids got older, and I started wanting to hear myself a little bit more. <laughs> when you took the first class, was it um, with just an open mind, not knowing what the experience would be, or were you actually looking to accomplish a specific goal? It was very much with an open mind. It was a friend and I, um, my friend Amy and I, who've been mothering together for the same decade. Um, <laughs> this, yes, we, you know, we we met. We always say we met over midwives. The first time we met was talking about <laughs> about midwives in our first pregnant season, and so we decided together. We saw this, you know, birthing the mother writer with Cassie Primo Steele advertised and. We're like, we should do this. This would be awesome because we can do it, and you know, nine to, it'll fit between the time the kids are at school, and <laughs> and so it was kind of like a little adventure that we went on together. Um, and I acknowledge her at the beginning of my book because it really was. It was like two girls holding hands in their pigtails and their new skirt, going off to school for the first day. You know, it. We bought yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pens, and <laughs> it, it was really wonderful. And I, I think, I was just open to whatever it could be. And having the gift of a really talented uh, writing coach like Cassie yeah. Yeah. was something, you know, I, I say it was almost like she held my hands and helped me stick them inside of me. You know, yeah. it was she she was able to to prompt me in ways. And that's one of the things, you know, my, my writing process in general, I do love to write with a prompt. That's why Vox Poetica is so awesome. Referential Magazine is also so awesome because you can always go there and find exactly. a prompt. There's that, something to start from, yeah. Yeah, to to pull you out. And I think yeah. prompted writing in that course is kind of where I began. And then it's almost as if it trains you to see prompts all over the place. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you see them in a leaf or a tree or a flower or a baby or, or whatever it is. So... I think I was just in an open place, and 
And then I found something that gave me so much joy, I just couldn't stop doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Do you take, like, a a disciplined approach to it, or do you wait for inspiration to start? Do you write every single day, like, for a certain amount of time or at a certain amount of time, at a certain time, or do you just wait till you feel something comes to you and you need to write it down? I think it's a combination. I write Mm -hmm. every Monday. Um, I don't don't know if I have a blog, and one of the things that creates discipline in my life is every Monday morning, I wake up, I think, I pick a word, something that's on my mind, and I write 500 words about it, or so, you know, never more than 500. Sometimes a little, often that is a poem. There's a poem involved there. Not always. Sometimes the poems come, and sometimes they don't. So that always sort of sets the tone for my week. I make myself do that, and that makes me say, okay, Monday I'm writing. So that's an extremely mm-hmm. disciplined time for me. I do try to at least two more days a week put on my calendar because I often do have to write it on there, you know, from 12 to 1, have lunch and write. Um, yeah. Because otherwise the days fill up and yep. then I have it. And then I feel starved. I mean, you know, it's like yep. skipping lunch. I start going, oh, my gosh, all that stuff is all stuck in my head and it's, it's not working out there. I need to. <laughs> I know. I think I, that's such a relatable thing that you say. You know, if you don't get that experience, you have to steal it from someplace in order to feel like you can breathe. You know. Yeah. Um, I think so many writers can relate to that. Uh, we're out of time. I would like to have you read one more selection from the poem, and then I would like, for, actually, maybe yeah, and then I would like for you to give us some um, the uh, e- email address of your blog, and I will. Um, I will talk a little bit where they can find the book. So uh, one more selection to give them something to look for would be great. Thank you. This is in the final selection of the book, which the section is called Truth. And the poem is Dandelion Day. Dayliness as dandelions who sprout yellow petals to puff fluffy white and float when we do not know, but to be saffron today in God's palm without fear of what being lifted into the air to plant elsewhere might feel like. The present butter-hued being one new day open golden the exact life we have already. I was reading that poem recently because it strikes me as being a, a very philosophical poem. Um and yet not at all overwhelming, which I think sometimes happens when we get too heady. You know, it's not too heady, but it says so much in this great image. Um, again, relating so well back to writing and, and the experiences that we do artistically every day. <laughs> um, what made you know that poem had to be in this book? That's a question I have about almost all of these. Um, I think as I was beginning to see the book as a collection, and I was really identifying with with my who is Eve in me? How you know, how is this I'm divinely created, I'm a committed companion, I somehow got exiled, my kids are fighting. Um <laughs> there was this there's this part of me that wants to know what else happened next. You know, there's there's no I feel like there's got to be some truth in that ancient teaching story that we're left to extrapolate. Because we don't hear what happens really much later. And so I kind of made up my own what happens next. We somehow figure out that that the day is the day 
that that we get to some extent that we're we are journeying one day at a time and we the dandelion kind of came to my mind because you know it's a flower it opens up in the day and then it closes up at night and you just never know one day you wake up and it's the white puffy thing <laughs> and and so i feel like that's almost how life is for us we're going to be open and closed and open and closed and day and night and those figures came a lot into that last section. You know, come on, talks about how the moon and the sun call to you. The wall says, throw yourself over and and look up. And and um, and then perhaps the dream ends the book that talks about, you know, the dream really is that we're moving forward together. And that's where our strength is. That's where I feel like I found my strength is just knowing that together we're we're making forward progress, and mm-hmm. that's that's the truth of it for me. Yeah. You um you do blog, so would you give us the address of your blog where it can be found? Um, yes, it's www.musingmondaymorning.blogspot.com. And you can also be found via Google at a bunch of places because your work has been at Vox Poetica and Referential Magazine. And your book is available at Unbound Content. If you go to unboundcontent.com and click on New Releases, you will be able to um, click right over to it. It's also available at Amazon. And um, it makes a fantastic Christmas gift for any any artist that you know or any woman, anyone with a, a voice, uh, that needs to be heard. Um, who's interested in poetry? This is a wonderful book, and it's it's such an it's such a, an accessible uh, collection. It's really great. I think there's so much to be had in it. So I urge you to go do that. Ellen, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, it's been great to talk to you about this book. Thank you, Anne Marie. I will be back next week. We're getting to that time of year where we transition into a new year, and there's a lot of new stuff coming up. Um, in the meantime, I urge you to go to boxpoetica.com and read what's going on in my contributor series. It's um, a really wonderful collection to round out the year. The theme is finery. It's contributor series 10, Silken Rags. So I urge you to go look at those um, those those pieces, and I also would urge you to go to the YouTube channel, um, Unbound Content, and take a look at the videos for Alice Shapiro's upcoming work. Uh, different writers, different readers have been doing their versions of some of her poems, and I'm always looking for more people to contribute their voices to that project. So if you'd like to do an audio or a video reading of one of Alice's poems, contact me, Marie at voxpoetica.com, and I will be happy to get you a poem to do a reading for. Um, that would be great. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful week. Bye-bye.